The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We greet you in this service of worship here at Marsh Chapel in song and in prayer and in word and in sacrament on this Feast of the Epiphany, January 6th, 2019. We greet you whether you are here present with us in the nave of Marsh Chapel, whether you are listening live at WBUR 90.9 FM throughout New England, listening over the internet at WBUR.org, or listening later via the podcast at bu.edu slash chapel. Be welcome in this place, in this service of worship. My name is Brother Larry Whitney. I have the privilege of serving as university chaplain for community life here at Marsh Chapel. I bear greetings especially this morning to our preacher, the Reverend Victoria Hart Gaskell, our minister for visitation. A special word also of welcome to Incoro Novo, our guest choir this morning. Be welcome, be comfortable, and in a spirit of worship, let us stand as we are able in the praise of God. Let us pray. Gracious God, you make all things new in heaven and on earth. 
We come to you in a new year with new desires and old fears, new decisions and old controversies, new dreams and old weaknesses. God of hope, you create all the possibilities of the future. God of love, you accept the mistakes of the past. God of our faith, we enter this place with thanksgiving and praise, and we come into your presence with glad and joyful hearts. Bless this new year to our good and our lives to your service, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant, and your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the, and praise the Lord our God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind, and it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and shares in the promises of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden from age, for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the wisdom of God and its rich variety might now be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, please join me in reading responsively verses from Psalm 72 with the antiphon. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to a king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May the mountains yield prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the needy, and crush the oppressor. May he live while the sun endures, and as long as the moon, throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may righteousness flourish and peace abound, until the moon is no more. May the ruler of Tarshish and the isles render him tribute. 
May the rulers of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all the rulers fall down before him. All nations give him service. For he delivers the needy when they call, the poor and those who have no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life, and precious is their blood and sight. Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise ones from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them was the star that they had seen as it, at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, 
They offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Happy New Year. We're six days in already. And apart from anything else going on, today, January 6th, 2019, has much significance in the Christian calendar. In some traditions, it is Old Christmas, a Christmas day from the Julian calendar that preceded our current Gregorian calendar. In some traditions, it is Three Kings Day, when gifts are exchanged, either between family and friends or by the three kings themselves to children in commemoration of their visit to the baby Jesus. And here, for us today, it is the feast of the epiphany, of the appearance, of the revelation, of the manifestation of God. Today, it is the manifestation of Christ, and today especially to the Gentiles. That would be us. Epiphany this year is a 10-week liturgical season. The people who created the lectionary cycle have picked scriptures of majesty and drama for today to start the season off. Isaiah describes the restoration of Israel. They are released from captivity in Babylon and restored to right relationship with God. They will see and be radiant Their hearts will thrill and rejoice because they shine like a beacon in the dark with the glory of God. They are a beacon that draws their own sons and daughters back from far away. The brightness of their light draws even nations and rulers to them. They bring to Israel the abundance of the sea, the wealth of nations, multitudes of camels, gold and frankincense, all to praise the God of Israel and God's glory that shines upon and through this restored people. The psalmist describes the just and righteous ruler who does the work of God for the people, who delivers the needy and the poor and those who have no helper, who saves their lives from oppression and violence. Because of this, And because this ruler is also human and needs God's help, the psalmist calls down blessings on the rain, long life, effectiveness, peace, and the respect and service of other rulers and nations who become allies. The author of Ephesians, writing as Paul, describes the revelation that has been given to him and other prophets and apostles by the Spirit. This is the grace of his commission to the Gentiles and in this letter to the church at Ephesus. His is the shock and understanding of the mystery of Christ in which the formerly formerly Gentile strangers have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. 
It is this gospel of Christ that Paul proclaims to the Ephesians in accordance with the eternal purposes of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ, all Christians, including the Ephesians, have access to God in boldness and confidence through their faith in Christ. Matthew's gospel recounts the drama of three exotic astrologers from the East who come to Jerusalem to find the king of the Jews because they have seen the rising of his star. This is a, an unmistakable sign that an important ruler has been born. Their arrival at the current King Herod's court throws Herod and the court and the entire city into fear and confusion. Herod consults with his advisors who tell him that the true king of the Jews, the Messiah, is to be born in Bethlehem. Herod then meets secretly with the Eastern strangers and charges them to find the child and tell him, Herod, where the child is because he wants to pay homage to this new king. So the three strangers follow the star to where the child and his mother are, and with joy they pay him homage and give rich gifts. Then they are warned in a dream not to return to Herod, and they take another way home. These scriptures are full of pomp and circumstance, majesty and prophecy fulfilled, restoration and mystery and even intrigue, rich and shiny treasure, and let's not forget those camels. Yet four verses stand out. No prophecy, no pomp, no explication. Except for the rich and shiny gifts and the moving star, they tell a simple and a quiet story. Three strangers, a baby, and a mother. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warmed in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Three strangers who, after a long journey of faith, rejoice in their journey's end. They recognize a child for who he is and who he will become. They welcome him with treasure, to recognize his importance to be sure, but also treasure that is easily hidden and carried, easily sold and bartered for a young family soon to be on the run for their lives from that same Herod, who wanted to know where the child was and maybe not to pay him homage. The three wise ones are, wise ones are warned against him after all, if they were not already suspicious with all the upset and secrecy at his court. So they take another road home to protect Jesus and his mother Mary in a time and place where roads were hard to come by and may just as well lead to other dangers as to joy. 
if their visit to the baby Jesus is the manifestation of God's presence to them as Gentiles, then in these four verses, beyond all the pomp and circumstance and the shiny drama, it is strangers who show hospitality to the child, the manifestation of God. They show the, ho the hospitality of recognition, welcome, provision for his needs, and protection. We ourselves have just come through the holiday season, a time when many of us have either extended or received hospitality of various kinds, usually welcome, shelter, and food, if not necessarily protection. The word hospitality comes from the Latin hospice and means the generous and friendly welcome of guests and the offer of a pleasant or sustaining environment. The Latin word hospice, the root of our word hospitality, means host, guest, or stranger, all three, the distinction depending on the situation. Now that is interesting because there is a great deal of talk in our air now about strangers, people from far away or who are different from us or who we don't know and who may be a danger to us just because they are strangers. And there is a great deal of concern in our air now about whether or not we in our group, ethnicity, community, city, nation, church, should show hospitality to strangers. And if we should, how much and what kind of hospitality it should be. There is even concern as to if it should be hospitality we show at all, in the sense of our engagement with strangers being one of welcome and friendliness, pleasantness or sustenance. So the Latin word hospice, the root of our word hospitality, is interesting because if it means all three, host, guest, and stranger, it also suggests that these roles are interchangeable in the larger practice of hospitality, and that hospitality itself is a function of each role together and separately. We usually assume that a host extends hospitality and the guest or a stranger receive it. But the word hospice suggests that hosts, guests, and even strangers not only receive hospitality, but also extend it. If strangers in particular not only receive hospitality, but also extend it, that expands the notion of hospitality considerably. Now, I am the last person to suggest that one should not be careful around strangers and around hosts and guests, for that matter. All kinds of strangers came up and talked to my parents about pleasantries and directions, and my parents talked themselves with all kinds of strangers about pleasantries and directions. This has turned out to be part of my life, too, and now apparently is part of our children's lives as well. Pleasant pleasantries and directions with anybody who happens to be around. And it has also been very clear through three generations that one does not get into cars or go off willy-nilly with people one does not know. 
especially if one is alone or if one's hair at the back of the neck stands up. Then it doesn't matter at all if they are not from far away or look just like us. But while not every stranger is a friend we haven't met yet, a generous, friendly, pleasant, even sustaining welcome in our attitude and perhaps conversation couldn't hurt the prospects for friendship, at the very least until we know there are actual grounds for suspicion. Because it may be that it is the stranger next to us or in our midst that will be the one to extend hospitality to us instead of the other way around. Like the three wise ones from afar away did with the baby Jesus, they may recognize us for who we are as having the image of God within. They may welcome us with respect and may offer us treasures of friendship or knowledge, skill or humor. They may even be a source of protection or help. The question is, can we recognize and accept the hospitality of strangers? The writer of Ephesians reminds us that in one sense we already have. Through our ancestors in the faith, we have accepted the hospitality of strangers in the work of Paul. He certainly started out as a stranger, a person of another faith and a Roman citizen who persecuted the members of the early church. He then claimed a rather spectacular conversion experience on the Damascus Road that made him not only a member of the Jesus movement, but also an apostle. As an apostle, he was sent to share the gospel of Christ with Gentiles, who also were strangers and sometimes hostile to the members of the Jesus movement. And yet, as a stranger to everyone, his generous welcome in Christ and gifts for organization supported new Christians and churches in a number of multicultural locations in the Roman world. Without the work of the stranger Paul, and the acceptance of his hospitable invitation by the early church and by subsequent generations, we would not be here this morning, or at least we would not be here in the same way. We are also reminded by the story of the three strangers who extended hospitality to the baby Jesus that strangers often come to us because they are led to us by God. While to accept the hospitality of strangers may not, always be may not always entertain angels unaware, it may very well be. And if it is just a generous and pleasant experience, that is all to the good too. Like many of you, I have had a number of instances of my acceptance of the hospitality of strangers. All of them ended well, and in some cases, not always the most pleasant initially, I consider them a direct manifestation of God's provision for me and for my life. All hospitality, a generous and friendly welcome, and a pleasant and sustaining environment has something of God in it. And in some ways, God is a stranger to us too. God is different from us, never completely known, even as God is God with us in Jesus. God sometimes seems far away as we are separated from God by sin. God even sometimes seems dangerous in the invitations to change, to accept the strange, 
to stretch our comfort zones. And yet the first Sunday of every month and Wednesday evenings and other times too here at Marsh, the table is set with the tasty sweetness of grain and grape. The invitations to transform are extended, to come and be nourished, to love God and self and neighbor, to recognize each other as companions with God and with each other in the adventures of our lives, to have the image of God restored in each one of us and all together. The hospitality of God, the generous and loving welcome, the sustenance of God's empowerment, nourishment, and companionship. That hospitality never fails. It never ends. God the stranger becomes the one in whom we live and move and have our being, in ourselves and with each other. It is when we accept the hospitality of God that we can most recognize and accept the hospitality of strangers. So on this feast day of epiphany, of appearance, of revelation, of manifestation, who is the stranger whose hospitality we might accept? Is it someone here sharing grain and grape with us in communion? Is it someone at work or in class or on our block? Is it someone from far away, or who is different from us, or who we do not yet know? Who may be trying to reach out to us in welcome with gifts? Who may be sent to us by God? With this, as we consider the hospitality of strangers, there is also a question that turns it back to us. Who might we be strangers to? Who might be persons to whom, as strangers to them, we might offer a generous and friendly welcome or a pleasant and sustaining environment? Who may think that we are from a place far removed from theirs or think we are different from them or that they do not or cannot know us? Who might accept our hospitality of strangers as we have accepted the hospitality of strangers ourselves? Like the baby Jesus and Mary, there are many people in the world, both near and far, who might accept, might even be desperate for, a generous and friendly welcome, recognition for who they really are, a pleasant and sustaining environment, or even protection and help, even from a stranger. What guidance from God in a star or a dream or deep compassion or an experience might guide us to them? A host is a host, and a guest is a guest, and a stranger is a stranger. And depending on the situation, a person might be any of these. And in any given situation, a host is primarily a host, and a guest is primarily a guest, but a guest might be a host, and a host might be a guest. But a stranger can be both completely a stranger and a host, or both completely a stranger and a guest. Let us then be glad of the hospitality of strangers, that we can receive it and also provide it in the great and unending hospitality of God. 
Amen. seated. Good morning. We welcome you again to the nave of Marsh Chapel on this Epiphany Sunday. Whether you are seated here with us, listening live via WBUR, or listening later via the podcast, please know that you are a valued member of our community. For those of you seated in the pews, we ask that you participate in our ritual of hospitality by writing your name and contact information in the red pads at the end of each pew toward the center aisle. That helps us to get to know you better and it helps you to get to know one another better. We would like to extend another thank you to Incoro Novo for their musical offerings this Sunday morning. Thank you very much. (laughs) 
today is a communion Sunday. All are welcome to receive communion here at Marsh Chapel. Grape juice will be served on the lectern side, the side I'm standing on, and wine will be served on the pulpit side. Uh, a gluten-free option is available for those who request it. Um, a healing prayer station is also available underneath the first set of stained glass windows on the pulpit side for those um, who would like to participate in that during communion. Please join us after the service for our monthly uh, community past dish luncheon downstairs in the Marsh Room. Uh, food is available for everyone, uh, so please join us for that luncheon. All weekly activities at the chapel continue to be suspended as we continue with BU's winter, uh, winter break, so uh, regular schedule will continue once the spring semester starts. For all other chapel news and events, please visit the chapel website at bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Now, as the ushers wait upon us for the offering, let us remember that it is a gift and a discipline to be a giver.
Blessed are you, great God of the universe, source of all our provision. Bless and multiply these our gifts of money, symbol of our time, resources, life energy, and devotion, that the giving may become receiving and the receiving may become giving. Blessed be God, now and forevermore. Blessed are you, great God of the universe. You are the giver of this bread, product of earth and air, fire and water, the life energy of plants, animals, and humans. Let it become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God, now and forevermore. Blessed are you, great God of the universe. You are the giver of this fruit of the vine, product of earth and air, fire and water, the life energy of plants, animals, and humans. Let it become for us the drink of your eternal realm. Blessed be God, now and forevermore. As the grain once scattered in the fields and the grapes once dispersed on the hillside are now reunited on this table in bread and the fruit of the vine, so, O oh God, may your whole church be gathered together in this season from the corners of the earth to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ is with you always. And also with you. Let us exchange signs of peace and reconciliation with one another. Dearly beloved, the Lord is with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, gracious, loving, holy God, creator of heaven and earth. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and called us to love and serve you in the world. When we were unfaithful and turned from your ways, you did not forsake us. Your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and sent prophets to call us back to your way. In the fullness of time, you sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself. You sent angels and a star to guide the first witnesses to where the Christ was born. And through the Holy Spirit, in your signs and witnesses in every age and through all the world, you have led your people from far places to his light. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, 
delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven and giving voice to all creation, we praise your name and join the unending hymn. are you, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your child and heir, our Lord. Born in humility, he came to rule over all. Helpless as an infant, he showed the power of your love. Poor in the things of this world, he brought the wealth of your grace. Rejected by many, he welcomed all who sought him. In his life, ministry, suffering, death and resurrection. You gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. We remember how when Jesus sat at supper with his friends, he took bread, and when he had given thanks and blessed it, he broke it and gave it to his friends and said, take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. Each time you eat this, Remember me. Likewise, after supper, he took a cup, and when he had given thanks and blessed it, he gave it to his friends and said, This is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Each time you drink this, remember me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of grain and grape. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Empower us by your Spirit, O God, to be Christ's presence in the world, even as Jesus was God with us. Give us courage to speak his truth, to seek his justice, and to love with his love. Keep us faithful in your service until Christ comes in final victory, and we shall feast with all your saints in the joy of your eternal realm. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your servant church, 
All glory and honor are yours, eternal God, now and forevermore. Amen. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and taught us when we pray to be bold and to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us your peace. Look, the bread of heaven is given for the life of the world. Look, the cup of salvation is poured out for the life of the world. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep this feast with joy and thanksgiving.
Dearly beloved, let us pray together. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, dearly beloved, let us go from this place in peace to give and, re and receive the hospitality of strangers in the name of that God who loves us, who makes us, who keeps us in everything. Amen. Amen.